The makeup of Group C is one that looked so entirely different just 12 months ago before COVID struck. And 12 months later, we're really looking at each of these teams a bit differently to how we did before. Uh, there's one team in particular that this uh, applies to, but without spoiling too many details. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Lies. This is a whole lot of mid, and we this week are previewing every single group for the group stage. Uh, we already did group A, we did group B yesterday, and today is group C. And if you guys like these videos, hey, maybe this is the place for you. Uh, subscribe to the channel, join the family. We are rapidly growing. And uh, yeah, join the ride. But without further ado, let's get into today's video, Group C, which uh, the makeup is currently made up of Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia. Four teams with wildly different storylines, wildly different ambitions for this tournament, but extremely interesting to speak about each one of them. And of course, what better way to start than the team who go into this tournament with more drama, more controversy, and more questions than answers than any other team in the, in the competition, and that's the Netherlands. 12 months ago, this was a team under Ronald Koeman with Virgil van Dijk and Jesper Silesen that were being touted as European championship contenders. And for good reason. The change in uh, style, the change in, of guard, uh, from the likes of Robin, Robin van Persty, Schneider, to this new group of Dutch players, uh, obviously inspired by the Ajax run in 2018-19, but the likes of Matthijs de Ligt, uh, Frankie de Jong, Virgil van Dijk, Memphis Depay, kind of leading this new age Dutch revolution into the next era under the stewardship of Ronald Koeman. Of course, though, uh, COVID hit. And with COVID, the tournament was canceled and everything changed. Ronald Koeman uh, stepped down from his job as Dutch manager before the tournament could even be played and took over the reins of FC Barcelona. Virgil van Dijk, the best center half on the planet, suffered a terrible season-ending and career-threatening injury that ruled him out of the Euros. Jasper Sillison only recently uh, contracting COVID-19 uh, COVID and effectively ending his hopes of playing in the Euros. Uh, Donny van de Beek just yesterday learning that he would be missing through injury. And suddenly, in the space of 12 months, a team with expectations of lifting their first trophy since Marco van Bastien all the way back in 1988 are kind of back to being that team in turmoil that have missed, if you remember, the last two tournaments, Euro 2016 and the World Cup of 2018. We're looking a whole lot more like that team. And as a Dutch supporter, if that is you, you have to be concerned with the form the team has now picked up under the stewardship of Frank de Boer, this, the proclaimed worst manager in Premier League history from the one and only Jose Mourinho. But I guess it's not all doom and gloom because this is a very talented Dutch team, even without the likes of Van Dijk, Frankie de, uh, Donny van de Beek, and uh, Jesper Silesen. It is still a very talented team. And you look all around the squad uh, without really getting into the names I want to talk about. You still have that midfield of Frankie de Jong, uh, Martin de Roon, Gini Wijnaldum in defense, even without the great Van Dijk. You still have Matthijs de Ligt, one of the best defenders in world football, partnered up with Daly Blind, uh, Nathan Ake, Dumfries on one side. Uh, there, there are options in this Netherlands team and of course spearheaded by the 
mercurial talent that is Memphis Depay. Since he has left Manchester United, he has gone on to join Lyon and kind of solidify his name again in Europe, why he was one of the biggest talented prospects in world football when he made that move in 2015. However, you look around the squad and the fact that the goalkeeper that will be playing game one against Ukraine for the Netherlands is the same goalkeeper that was starting the 2010 World Cup final in Martin Stecklenburg is highly concerning. The fact that outside of Memphis Depay, you look at those striker and those attacking options and you have Steve Bergwijn uh, couldn't get a game at Spurs, Quincy Promes convicted of potential murder. And it just doesn't bode well for me. And not only that, these are still the same guys that were playing under Ronald Koeman, but the football has gone down a level. And it is very clear that Frank, uh, Frank De Boer has not been able to completely impose his tactics and his philosophies on this group of players. And with the tournament starting in four days, that's extremely concerning. However, this tournament is still salvageable. I still don't believe they're going to win the, the tournament, which I personally didn't even when Coleman was in charge, when Van Dyke was fit, but this is still a very talented team. This is still a young team as well. And outside of uh, that, you still have promising youngsters, and most notably uh, Ryan Gravenbach from Ajax, who won Dutch uh, Young Player of the Year this season. He is an, an option coming off the bench in that midfield. He looks every inch the next best thing in midfield. But for me, the key guy has to be Franke de Jong. A guy who for me has honestly become a bit underrated since he joined FC Barcelona after that terrific season for Ajax. And his role is a bit different as well when he joins the Netherlands. There's a lot more responsibility on his shoulders than there is at Barcelona. At Barca this year, he was at times playing as like a libero, like the third center back in a back three. But with the Dutch, he has a bit more liberty to kind of show why he is one of the most well-balanced uh, all-around midfielders in Europe. And then next to him is Gini Wijnaldum, uh, who any day now we should be expecting to join PSG out of free. Again, another player who for Liverpool has kind of made his name as like a workhorse midfielder who kind of shows his press resistance, but like doesn't really express himself, doesn't really show how great a player he is. But for the Dutch, it's the complete opposite. This guy shows everything that he's about every time he steps on the pitch for the Dutch. Way more of an attacking option. But again, for me, Frankie de Jong, everything goes through him. Can he be the controller in midfield for the Dutch every time they play? Of course, uh, Ronald Koeman, one thing he did bring when he brought back to the Dutch was that idea of total football. And Frankie de Jong epitomizes that to the, the peak of that power. And if the Dutch want to do anything, he has to be that guy alongside with Memphis Depay in attack. And that's because their weakness is there's just not enough firepower up front. The Dutch this summer will be relying on Memphis Depay, who granted plays incredibly well every time he puts on the orange jersey. But his strike partner has been a Veghorst, who has come off a pretty good season at Wolfsburg respectively. But there's more questions and answers with that guy is he an attacking an international level attacker can he score goals at the highest competitions in europe we haven't seen it yet and for him to kind of be thrown into the deep end up front with memphis uh, there's a lot of question marks around that another question mark is can daily blind be in 2021 an international level center back Virgil van Dijk is out. That's a major miss in its own. But Daly Blind is not a natural center back. Couple that with the fact that they have a f 
aging goalkeeper who couldn't even break into the Everton team. I'm extremely worried about the Dutch, if you haven't been able to tell. Granted, I still think this group is manageable enough for them. The problem is once they get out of it. If they win this group, they should have an, a, a relatively easy next round. Relatively. Once they get out of that, they will be playing the third place team in Group F. Or Group G. A, B, C, D, E, F. Group F. Which potentially could be Germany. Another team who we'll talk about in a, in a few days, but I also have my reservations on it. So to be honest, they have kind of lucked out with the draw. They have a path to the semifinal. The problem is, are they good enough to capitalize it? The Netherlands of a year ago says yes. The Netherlands of 2021. Quarterfinal exit. I'm going to predict that. On the flip side, though, Austria is a team that will be licking their lips to enter Euro 2021, as it has now been called. And that's due to the fact that with how many informed players they have. And this goes back to this group complexion looked so different a year ago. But one year on, this group could not have favored Austria anymore. They have players who have kind of grown into their own, burst onto the scene, got years a year of European experience. And it's definitely welcome because Austria came into Euro 2016 similarly with very high expectations. And in a group that they really should have qualified from, uh, Portugal, Hungary, and Iceland, they failed to even score a goal coming rock bottom in that group. And it was a group of a lot of uh, expectation. Of course, the talisman and the star of that team is David Alaba, who has more experience in his left toe than the rest of the squad combined, right? But this group has kind of built a midfield now with a lot of experienced Bundesliga players. This in particular comes in midfield with a host of Bundesliga talent to call on for the head coach. Obviously, the pick of the bunch in midfield is Marcel Sabitzer, uh, the star player for RB Leipzig, who honestly plays a bit higher up in a false nine position for the Austrians. In those other midfield positions, though, you have uh, Saver Slager, you have Florian Grilich, you have uh, the veteran midfielder Julian Baumgartlinger, if I'm saying that correctly, Baumgartlinger. But uh, those players alongside Sabitzer give you plenty of depth. And fun fact, all of those players were playing in European competitions this season. So that kind of just adds on to the fact that this team has had bundles of experience in just the past 12 months. The biggest weakness, though, and I'm going to do that before the key player, because there's a bit of a conundrum for me of Austria. Uh, the biggest weakness is undoubtedly their defense. And again, they have two Bundesliga center backs playing in that heart of the defense. One of those defenders is Eintracht Frankfurt's Martin Hinteregger. Uh, a quality defender, no doubt about it. But a big thing with him is his injury fitness has been horrible this season. And uh, there is a bit of a, a lack of pace with him. And if there's a lack of pace with him, there's even more a lack of a pace with Dragovic, uh, a player who actually formerly played for Leicester City. But there's just no pace in that defense. And I, I bring that up because you have David Alaba in midfield. But you also have so many of the options that I just named you that occupy that midf those midfield positions. So if you have that quality there, would it not be a better decision to bring David Alaba for the first time in his international career back into a defensive, and when I say defensive, a defending position? 
strengthen that defense, add way more experience than you already have, add some pace in there, uh, add a left-footed option in David Alaba, and let those natural midfielders play where they should be in midfield while strengthening your defense in the, in the meantime. For me, uh, it's something that I think Austria's head coach will and maybe actually commit to doing because David Alaba, as good as he is in midfield, is so reliable in numerous different positions and that's why of course he is the key player for austria but i think that's really the key to unlocking this entire austrian team strengthen your defense get more out of your other midfielders where you clearly have the most talent in your team if that is done austria will be licking their lips at this group because you have a netherlands team that is hurting they are not at the top of their game you have a ukraine team who will get into that yeah, they have a lot of promise, but Austria will fancy their odds against them. But at the end of the day, I think second or third is pretty realistic for this Austria team. They are in a position, though, that if they come second, they play the first of Group A, I believe. Uh, or no, Group B, uh, Group F, which has France, Portugal, and Germany. If they come uh, third, they play the winner of Group A, which has Italy. So I do think Austria will qualify for the next round, but their journey will end after that round. Ukraine are another team that will be licking their lips looking at the group in front of them. And that's because Andrei Shevchenko has finally found the winning formula of Ukraine. And it was none more evident than their qualifying campaign. Coming first in a group with tournament favorites, Portugal, beating them once, drawing them twice. And when you look at the group of players that Shevchenko has assembled. It's not just youth for youth's sake. There are some quality players all throughout this team. And I know we've really talked about midfield throughout this group, right? The Dutch have a great midfield. Austria has midfield talent from the Bundesliga in abundance. And it doesn't end with Ukraine. They have so much talent in their midfield. And you have Stepanenko with tons of experience uh, playing at number six for them. And in front, you have Malinovsky coming off a brilliant individual season with Atalanta. And to his left, you have Manchester City's left back, but no, Ukraine's number 10, Alexander Zinchenko, who, although he plays that inverted fullback role for Manchester City, he plays that holding midfield or that attacking midfield role for Ukraine. And he's so technical, he's so intelligent on the ball that he's an absolute joy to watch for Ukraine. So yeah, that midfield is as balanced as it comes. It's one of the most underrated midfields in uh, in this uh, European Championship. And uh, I do think the main guy will be Malinovsky. He has shown, uh, he had a terrific Champions League campaign with him as well. He is just an absolute goal threat from uh, midfield. A terrific ball strike on him from deep. In fact, uh, marauding up the pitch, he is tremendous. And I think he has formed a good partnership with the rest of those players. My biggest uh, concern with Ukraine, though, comes uh, in the forward line. And that's because Junior Moraes and Marlos, who are the two nationalized Brazilian come Ukrainians, have failed to really live up to those expectations when they were nationalized. They haven't been prolific enough in front of goal for Ukraine. And for all the midfield talent that they do have, for all the defensive stability that they do have, attack is a position that could let them down for this upcoming tournament. 
Uh, the other option is Andrei Yarmolenko, who of course has an absolute wand of a left foot, an absolute maverick coming from the right-hand side. But he personally is coming off a pretty poor individual season for West Ham. While West Ham were amazing, it was more so because David Moyes uh, tried turning that team into more of a robust, organized unit that was more a whole rather than the sum of their parts. Andrei Yarmolenko, we know, is a luxury player. He's a flair player. And although he's a damn good player on his day, he's also quite frustrating when it's not his day. And... Fair enough, David Moyes found success without him. But they are going to need to find one last drop of magic from Yarmolenko if Ukraine is to, to really do damage in this tournament. Because again, their midfield is good, their defense is good, but without a recognized target man that can bang in goals for your team, you are going to struggle to do make any noise in these Euros. And I, f I do fear that could be the, the, the Achilles heel for Ukraine, but I still think they have enough to come uh, two or three in this group and after that we already talked about it the next round is very difficult for whoever comes second or third from this group so i do think the adventure will end for them there but listen this is a very young team it's one of the youngest teams in this championship and they have plenty to look forward to after this tournament as well shevchenko is doing a tremendous job they are better than they've looked in decades and for me they should be proud of where they come regardless of how they do in this heroes their future is very brave which finally leaves us with north macedonia a team and a nation that were only formed 27 years ago. 10 years after captain and icon Goran Pandev was born. And I was pretty critical and pretty pessimistic about Finland. But boy, I want to f uh, give North Macedonia their flowers. And the second team after Finland to qualify for their first international tournament. And the story is absolutely remarkable. How they managed to qualify for this tournament is a miracle in itself. Uh, this is the first tournament where two teams coming out of a certain uh, Nations League group were allowed to qualify for the tournament. So it gave North Macedonia a massive chance, beating Kosovo in the semifinal and Georgia, who were also looking to make their debut in the tournament in the process. But I mean, this is a story for the ages. Goran Pandev, uh, who first made his debut for the national team in 2001, is of course their, their star player, their icon, their leader, their captain, their all-time appearance maker, and their all-time goal scorer. He is a Champions League treble winner of Inter Milan. He's played for Italy's uh, finest clubs all throughout his career. And this is a fitting uh, tribute and finale to an illustrious career for Goran Pandev, who has been criminally underrated all throughout his career. But, um, I mean, of course, he had to be the guy to send uh, Macedonia onto their way to the uh, Euro Championship. And it's incredible how a country this small and this new has finally managed to break the duck and qualify for their first tournament. It's even more remarkable when you think that in Euro 2016, Macedonia finished bottom of a group which contained Luxembourg. And four years, five years later, have now qualified for Europe's biggest international competition. A round of applause is needed for them. It's a tremendous accomplishment. And it's not just Goran Pandev. He is their key player. But there are numerous players that are playing around uh, Europe's big five leagues that currently occupy places in this Macedonian team. Elgif Ilmas, uh, the attacking midfielder for Napoli, is a tremendous player. He's finally, this season, managed to, to put himself into Gennaro Gattuso's starting 11. He was a key player all throughout the season for Napoli, barely finishing outside of the top four. But he is going to be another attacking player for Macedonia that causes massive damage. However, while Pandev is their key player, their big name, their, their most established star, 
Their biggest threat may come from the set pieces of Levante midfielder Enis Bardi. Uh, in 2018-19, he was La Liga's best free kick taker alongside Lionel Messi statistically. And he is a guy that provides, again, another rare profile that some teams just aren't able to provide. His set pieces are an absolute threat every single part of this, uh, the field. And for a Macedonia team that isn't littered with international stars, this is a major advantage that they will need to take care of. Are they the favorite to come out of this group? Absolutely not, right? Ukraine and Austria will definitely be considered bigger favorites than them to finish behind the Netherlands if they even manage to, to secure first themselves. But North Macedonia have a chance to make history and be the first ever debutant in a European championship to get out of the group. That has never happened before. And while I don't completely love their odds of doing it, they have some of the worst odds of even getting out of their group, let alone winning the whole thing. This isn't the most impossible group to navigate out of. I still do think that I would have the Netherlands, Austria, and Ukraine above them. But listen, North Macedonia, their adventure to getting to Euro 2021 is remarkable. Another team that deserves massive credit for for writing history this is a historic moment for such a young country and uh again a fitting tribute to the career that has been goran pandev uh massive congratulations to him but i do think their run ends in the group stage which leaves us with our final ranking you know how this goes i always give my my top four or i guess the four rankings in first Although I have said how pessimistic I am about them, I do believe the Netherlands comes first in their group. I don't think they win all their games. I think they honestly may finish on six or seven points. I think there's a good chance five, six, or seven points. Uh, in second place, I have Ukraine. I think I'm a massive fan of that midfield. And I think if Austria were to move David Alaba into the back, maybe I could favor them in second. But I will have Ukraine in second. I will have Austria in third. And I will have North Macedonia finishing bottom of the group. But listen, this is going to be a super underrated group. I think there's a lot of quality coming from every single angle. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see if Netherlands can kind of awaken themselves because it has been a very sleepwalkish last two years last year under current management but this kind of concludes group c my guide to group c if you did enjoy it let me know drop a comment drop a like on the video share it uh give me your top four let me know what you guys think the group will go like in the comment section below and make sure you subscribe if you like the video uh, we will have group D coming up tomorrow. Uh, if you did like this video, check out group B and group C, uh, group A. Those are all out. But guys, listen, uh, this has been another episode of a whole lot of mid. You know how it goes from now. We'll see you when we see you.